Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sephoication Conflagration. Here are your two amazing hosts, Nate Bradford and Stephen Ronquillo. Guys, Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. But first, I got to introduce the Darby Hinton to my Ron Moss, Nate Bradford. Hey, here I am. All right. And oh, I kind for, of uh, disagree with you so far on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There's not enough story and too much. <clears throat> if I was hanging out in a party with Cliff Booth and all he was talking about is the stuff that Tarantino mentions in the book, even as a movie fan, I'd be like, okay, move it along, get to something interesting. <laughs> I don't give a shit what kind of movies you like after so long. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, I I hear you on that, and you and you know me, man. I mean, you know we talk about it every week on the show. I'm a huge Tarantino fan, but sometimes I'm just yeah. like, shut the fuck up, dude. Just shut <laughs> up. <laughs> you know, like I, I'm I'm over it. Like, just calm down, dude. Like, uh, you know, I get it. He, you know, he he's a huge film fanatic and i get that and i love that about him but at the same time i'm just sometimes i'm just like shut up you know like it's enough it's enough already we're big movie fanatics too but we wouldn't write a whole book that's totally (laughs) fiction and and a lot of it be just us putting our views on movies on it unless it was us writing a book about movies right yeah, and and you know that's actually funny. It's funny that you mentioned that because you know you and I first got started. We didn't have a podcast. We did we did a blog together. That's how we first got started. Was yeah. ri- was writing writing about movies. We did our blog together, um, and and we we would go off a little bit, but we still we had some restraint. We would and plus you know we would we, add something interesting add to it like how we've seen the movie or blah 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 something like that something to right, add right. to it like uh yeah. when we talked about see uh what was the one that the set altered states we had talked about how we probably had seen it on cable rather than the movie theaters because even though it was a PG movie, it was considered a forbidden movie by our parents, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When uh, when when uh, when he passed away, you and I wrote a two-part article. Uh, yeah, Ken, when Ken Russell passed away, you and I did a two-part article where we talked about our favorite films by him. Yeah, and we yeah we talked about Altered States, and we did mention that I think we had both seen it on yeah cable television late at night when we were in our teens yeah and uh well pretty much this has been a decent week for titles coming out on dvd and blu-ray for me it'd be something i was waiting for a good edition since dvd started and that would be a deep cover 
when it came out on DVD, it was in one of New Line's and didn't even have Hello? any extras except for a crappy transfer and a trailer. Right. So you're talking about uh, deep cover with with Lawrence Fishburne, right? Yeah. Yeah. That kind of leans into what we were going to talk about tonight, because isn't deep cover technically a remake? Is uh... No, it was technically supposed to be a sequel to, do you remember that weird one with Andy Garcia and Richard Gere called Internal Affairs? Yes, yes. So Where, deep cover yeah. was supposed. Deep, deep cover was, was supposed, supposed to be a sequel to, be a to that. Sequel, yeah, a sequel to that. But then they decided, no, we ain't going to make that. And that black films were doing good at the box office right there. So let's change the lead from a white guy into a black lead. Huh. I did not know that um, because when you talk about internal affairs, that also leans into what I was, you know, what we wanted to talk about tonight was uh, films that don't identify as remakes or sequels, but. Um, or that so many it, people, so few people have seen the original, they don't know that they're remakes. Right. Right. Like now, one of the films that we were going to talk about tonight was Martin Scorsese's The Departed. And wasn't the original version of The Departed the... the uh, Infernal the, Affairs. Um, yeah, Infernal Affairs. Yeah. It was based yeah, on I, the Infernal Affairs trilogy, which was actually a hell of a lot better series of films than... Uh, the Departed was. Yeah, right. I don't know. Uh, like that—that's the only one that I've ever seen. Uh, was it? Yeah, Infernal Affairs. I. It, so, there's more than one film in that series. Yeah, there's three. Uh, Miramax and Tarantino in the Dragon Dynasty collection. Put out all three of them in a box set. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day too because I uh, Tarantino did his uh, briefly did his Rolling Thunder collection where he released some. I think we talked about it last week because I was trying to remember the name of that uh, Japanese gangster movie where the guys were all hanging out on the beach. Um, but yeah. Uh, oh, that's Solatine. Yeah, Solatine, yeah. And I, I was trying to remember it last week yeah. when we were talking. The one and only yeah. uh, Beat Takashi. And I can remember <laughs> uh, when uh, it came out, the best review that uh, I ever seen. It made me want to see it. It was from uh, Gene Siskel. He says, if you like action films and you're not watching uh, Beat Takashi films, you're an idiot. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, if you're if if you're even now. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even now. I mean, yeah. uh, has 
has has he had a film out recently? I don't recall anything that he's directed. Uh, the recently. last thing he's done is Outrage and Final Outrage. Oh, I don't think I've seen either one of those. Yeah. Uh, are and they're are they re, they're recent films or? Yeah, about uh, four or five years ago, but that's it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I hadn't. I hadn't really thought about him uh, really since the nineties, you know? Um, yeah. But that brings me to. And uh, Reservoir Dogs first came out. Our fellow geeks were pissed off that another geek was doing, another two geeks were doing good. So he did everything in their fucking power to slam them. And I do love uh-huh. the projection booth, and it's a great podcast, but let it go, man. Everybody knows he stole he stole the idea for Reservoir Dogs. Don't base your whole career on fuck Tarantino because of this little short film I made because of what he stole from this one movie. God damn, man, let it go. Let it go, let it go. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. All right. You know what? Uh, I never thought I was going to have to listen to you sing Disney, so I think I'm quitting the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm done. I mean, why drive one point into the ground when the damn thing's six feet under and buried and everybody's been to the funeral, been to the wake, bought the souvenir T-shirt? (laughs) yeah yeah so this this was actually uh why steven and i uh decided to talk about this uh tonight is that you know i always recognize you know every 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 week i talk about how how i love tarantino and uh we first started talking about this because of Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs is definitely a direct remake of City on Fire by Ringo Lamb. And Tarantino has, has refused to acknowledge that. He is, his entire career, he has, I, I, I don't want to say, he's lied about it. Come on. This guy has well, seen well, every fucking movie ever made. So don't tell me yeah. he never saw city on fire you know or knows of it but the point is is that city on fire is one of the worst chow yun fat films ever made one of the worst ringo lamb films ever made and a shitty hong kong action film during the golden glory age day of hong kong action films if you're yeah that that movie you haven't seen it Yeah, no, it's not it's not a great film, and it did come out at the same time when John Woo was really like, uh, you know, uh, on the rise. So yeah, uh, and Ringo Lamb made some good films. I'm not I'm not disparaging his uh, filmography. He made some good films, but yeah, that oh, was God, not yeah, one of them. But that wasn't one. <laughs> that wasn't one, one of movie them. had that as a tagline. He said. A thousand great movies are made every year. This is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah. like uh, the Departed, when it came, it was like the Departed, a Martin Scorsese film in giant fucking text. To read this little tiny ass text at the bottom of it, inspired by the Infernal <laughs> Affairs trilogy. I always loved that term. <laughs> you know, yeah, oh, inspired, it inspired, inspired me. Yeah, motherfucker. Inspired by, you know, like the same way the Hunger Games was inspired by another film. No, if we no, I, we can go for Hunger Games rip off Battle Royal. Well, then the Battle Royal ripped off the Running Man. Oh, yeah, one hunting <laughs> man ripped off Lord of the Flies in the most dangerous game. Sorry, that's the idea, oldest, you know, oldest literature. <laughs> <laughs> right. Strike one, move along, people. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think, uh, like, I don't really think, you know, like Running Man, I don't really feel like is in that same genre. I mean, it is an, you know, escape from uh, assassins type of situation, but it doesn't have the same Battle Royale or Hunger Games feel where they're actually competing. Have you ever competing. read the book version of, uh, of the Running Man, the book, not the yeah, movie? Yeah, Richard... Yeah, Richard Bachman. Yeah, yeah. it's a game yeah. show in the book. And yeah. in Battle Royal and the Hunger Games, they're televised events. Right, right, yeah. Well, I mean, even the movie version of The Running Man, it's, I mean, Richard Dawson's on there. He's the, <laughs> he's he's the host the best there. He's the thing yeah. about the movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, he reruns. But yeah, yeah, I mean, really, if you, I mean, if you could really nitpick it, like uh, Planet Terror, you could even go back to Nightmare City, the Umberto Lindsay film. Yeah, yeah, and that was, uh, um, that was one of those zombie movies that people overlook, and it kind of lent itself to the Zack Snyder. Uh, fast zombies when when Zack Snyder did his uh, remake of Night uh, or Dawn oh, of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead, yeah. But yeah. that wasn't Zack's uh, fault. They made him put Dawn of the Dead as a title. He would, I forget what his title would have been, but that movie would not call as much shit as it did if it didn't have a different title. Yeah, it, the only real similarity that it has to uh, George Romero's uh, Dawn of the Dead is that it, uh, 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 much of, you know, many of the events unfold in the mall. But, uh, yeah, otherwise, it's it's a very unique zombie movie. I, you know, uh, I'm not the biggest Zack Snyder fan, but I I did enjoy that movie. And Dawn of the Dead... George Romero's version is one of my favorite films of all time. So, you know, yeah. if you're telling me you're doing a remake, I'm, you know, I'm going to be judgmental, you know, Bingo. but, uh, and here's the point. Yeah. 90% of the people who went to see Dawn of the Dead is because it had Dawn of the Dead in the title. 
So we can say, oh, those Hollywood guys, they're just ripping off that title to make money. Yes, because people are willing to give them money to go see remakes of titles they know. Hell, we've seen that all yeah. the time in the video store, like uh, we did Demons on Saturday. Do you remember that little weird phase in the 90s where they would just take every movie that's slightly connected to another one and just go boom, 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 boom? Then we had Zombie 3, 4, and 5, the Amityville series, uh, Demons 3, 4, 5, and 6. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I mean... We, we've we even talked about this before, about how weird, like, the Halloween series got, and, you know, but but that was, that was a deliberate attempt. We, you know, Halloween 3 is a, is a weird departure from the Michael Myers storyline, because they were intending to, uh, you know, to just expand the, the, the series with Thology style, uh, uh, you know, an anthology style series. And I think uh, we see a lot of that with like what you're saying, like zombie three, four or five, like they, you know, they, they just started throwing everything that, that was even similarly connected. They just started throwing the titles on there. Boom, 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 boom. This is part of the series now, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, like, uh, like, imagine if they had done that with Friday the 13th, you know, like, <laughs> I, they could have. Oh, I mean, they did. There's I, Friday the 13th, the or the Orphan, there's the Aussie exploitation film, The Day After Halloween, the Saturday the 14th right. series. I, I, I'm watching Sleepaway Camp right now, and Jesus Christ, how, how, how many of those, how many Sleepaway Camp movies did they make? Three? Did they make three? Uh, and no, five. There's a uh, uh, really Sleepaway Camp two, Sleepaway Camp three, Sleepaway Camp four, and Return to Sleepaway Camp, the first legit sequel ever done by Robert Hillsack. Jesus Christ! I did not realize that there. <laughs> I, 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 I have Sleepaway Camp like the first one on. Uh, uh, on uh, uh, Blu-ray, uh, the other ones I only watch on, you know, like uh, Netflix or, uh, uh, you know, whatever, uh, Amazon. Uh, but I did not, I, I did not realize there were that many fucking Sleepaway Camp movies. Now, again, so this goes back. As long as people so, started watch, keeps watching them, you know. It's like that story I keep telling a million times on this show about being in the video store looking for something to watch and somebody going by and going, I know that title. At least I like the <laughs> other first two of them. Let's try that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, we joke about it all the time, but it's terrible, man. Like so many of the film series that you and I love, uh, they don't they don't gel they don't feel like they belong together and we've talked about this before a lot of times they just throw they just slap a name on it you know uh i mean it, is there any reason why there why there's a man behind the sun too 
I mean, that, yeah, that's not yeah. a thing. And then King Ma- <laughs> yeah, each of them deal with his. The first three actually deal with different historical in, uh, instances. The second is the Nanking yeah. Massacre, and the third, I forget what, but yeah, those at least. The man behind the sun is basically saying the man hiding behind the Japanese flag, you know, oh, we never did anything like that in the war. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, it, yeah, that's like uh, you know, some of the some of the Mondo, some of the Mondo movies that came out in the 80s. Actually, oh, there's one God. that's called Mondo Mondo 80s, you know, but um, there are so many of those Mondo movies. We could do a whole show on that. I mean, you know, just just yeah. films like Don't Mon- Mondo, Mondo New York, uh, yeah, Mondo well, Magic, Mondo Asia. Yeah, Mon- yeah, Mondo New York was actually one that I was think th- that was the one I was thinking of when I started uh, this train of thought because uh, Mondo New York showed what was. Uh, you know, ostensibly uh, underground activity in New York City in the 80s. But, I mean, I'm pretty sure most New Yorkers were aware of the activity. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't think it was that. Scene. Yeah, it was the art scene. Uh, who's in that? Uh, Lydia Lunch. Uh, yeah, Lydia Lunch. Uh, 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 they're... I- they're, they're if you watch it, you'll know the names, but if you don't, you'll be like me going, Taya, I know that fight, but I... And Magnuson. Yep, yep. Um, that, uh, oh, that seems like, uh, oh, I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, who am I thinking of? Uh, Paul... Paul, uh, mm. the guy who did uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer's poster was in it. Yeah, but I was I was thinking of um, oh come on, who's the director? You know, I can't come up with the last name. Paul, 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 Paul. Uh, he directed e- e- Eating uh, Eating Ra- Eating Raoul. Oh, Paul Bartel. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, wasn't he in? Wasn't he in that film? Wasn't he in uh, Mondo, New York? Uh, I, think I thought so. he and his. I, I yeah, think he him. and his wife were. Yeah, because yeah, they were they were both directors. Yeah, and I think him he and his and wife Mary were in that. Warnov. <laughs> yeah, Mary Mary Warnov. Yeah, yeah, that was his wife. I was ah. God, I I hate it I'm when sorry, I have a whenever friggin... Whenever I think of them, I just think back to Hollywood Boulevard where uh, working very late and uh, they had just finished Warnow's uh, last scene of the night and Bartell walked up to him and said, uh, excuse me, sir, may I please take Mary home now? If anything, <laughs> you need to sleep. 
yeah. But yeah, those, there those, were so yeah. many cash-ins of them, you know, the Mondo series. But the first one I would like to get into is, you've seen uh, Michael Mann's Heat, haven't you? Yes, of course. Yeah, of course. That, that, that's that a was, classic. I, yeah, yeah, that was a remake of his 1980 TV movie, L.A. Crackdown. Yes, yeah, uh, it was. Um, and L.A. Crackdown is a, is a fun film in and of itself, but I think the made-for... Uh, Michael Mann did a lot of made-for-TV, uh, not only movies but he also i mean uh miami vice was was his yeah. uh his his show you know so uh i think we see a lot when when michael mann gets to break out and go do things theatrically he uh the he ups the volume you know uh like you know he definitely go he, he you know he chases a high when he does those uh you know, feature length films for the movies. And Heat is a perfect example of that. Yeah. L.A., I can remember when I first heard of L.A. Crackdown was, uh, uh, it was when during DVD's height, they were going to do a a two-disc, all the bells and whistles set of Heat. And one of the extras was going to be L.A. Crackdown, but at the last second, they pulled L.A. Crackdown from the set, and they never did say why. Huh. Yeah, that's weird. I never heard that story. Huh. Yeah, it's back when they were actually signed, and they realized, whoa, we don't have to try that hard. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, like uh, Sanford and Son was a remake. Sanford and Son and Three's Company. No one really acknowledges over here that they were remakes of One Steptoe and Son and Man About the House. And wasn't yeah. Soul and the Family a remake of a British show too? I'm not sure. I've I've never heard that, but it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Three's Company was a remake. Uh, the Office was a remake of a British show. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, The Office is like the The Office is like one of the most famous uh, remakes of a British show for sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, but yeah. you know, I I like both versions of The Office, um, but this kind of it kind of follows along with our theme for tonight, talking about remakes and uh, and reboots. Um, the weird thing about The Office is the first season of The American Office follows the British version of The Office almost beat for beat, you know. Uh, but then the the second season of The British Office goes off in its own direction. And then, of course, we had like 
eight more seasons of the American office that just went and did their own thing, you know? So, um, that's yeah, where they that, had that, to, it's one of those, yeah, well, like, you know, we're going to do this same story, but we're going to have to add more story to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, that, that's a weird thing about, uh, British television. Um, you know, uh, you know, you and I both like a lot of British TV shows. And a lot of times, with the exception of something like Doctor Who, uh, you only get like 12 episodes of a British TV show and then it's it's over. It's done. You know, you never see yeah. any more of it. Uh, Do you remember you know, that sh- uh, bizarre season of Monty Python? I think it was the one without John Cleese where it was only like six episodes, not that long at all. Huh. No, I, I do. I mean, I have the entire, uh, I have the entire Monty Python box set that has every episode of the TV show and all of their movies and all of their live shows. It's like a huge box set that I have, but I don't necessarily recall a season that didn't have John Cleese, but you know, yeah, I mean marijuana. Left, Ma- marijuana. Was, Ma- yeah. yeah, it was yeah. like uh, I think, yeah, the third or fourth <laughs> season. John Cleese left because he thought he was going to be a star on, own, on his own. So he did like Clockwise, Romance with a Double Bass. Huh. Yeah. The only. The only. Uh, I mean. I also have fault all of the episodes of Faulty Towers. I actually have those on VHS, and that's really what I remember him leaping to after Monty Python was Faulty Towers, and then of course Terry Gilliam went on to direct, uh, you know, Brazil and some some of my favorite films. I mean, yeah. outside of the realm of outside of the realm of Monty Python, you know, Terry Gilliam did yeah. some great work, you know. So, but yeah, I don't really, yeah, I don't really remember yeah, a season of Monty Python. Yeah. yeah. It's when, it was when, uh, Eric, not Eric Idle, uh, Michael, pa- not Palin, the other guy, yeah. uh, took over all of the standard roles that you would see John Cleese in, like uh, the news broadcaster that would show up in weird spots and go, and now for something completely different. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so basically, this was the season of Monty Python that would have been directed by Alan Alda. <laughs> like when like when he took over when he took over at MASH right oh god I can remember watching the first seasons on reruns and stuff I'm like this is good and then I turn it on every Monday and I'm like this is crap <laughs> but that's yeah. what I, it happens yeah. more with the American shows than with the English shows yeah, well, the you know the thing is like I mean some of my favorite you. TV. God damn long. Some yeah, some of my favorite shows. I mean, I love Spaced. I love Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. I love the British version of The Office. I mean, you know, and and a part 
part of that is because it's condensed. You know, you get 12 episodes and it's done. It's over. The story is told, you know, like uh, even some of even some of my favorite TV shows here, even the American version of The Office. I love it. But nine fucking seasons like, come on, man, leave me alone. I need to sleep sometimes, so you know. <laughs> Once in a while, yeah, I need a I need a break. You can just tell when they run out of ideas, right? Like, uh, I, I'm chatting with a friend of mine online right now while we're on the air, and she just sent me a a gift from friends, and I'm like friends. There's a perfect example of a TV show that just went on for fucking way too long. You know, like it's not that it's not a fun show yeah, to watch. I'll watch, you know, but one geez. of those shows that is perfect in the nineties. But once you get past the nineties, yeah, <laughs> that's that's a problem yeah. with movies and shows of the moment. Rather than universal shows like uh, yeah. The Prisoner, you can watch anytime, anywhere, and it'll still be the same weird fucking shit <laughs> that it was. <laughs> you know? Right? Yeah. And, you know, some TV shows that have uh, gone on for years and years work their way through it. Like Doctor Who is a perfect example of a show that. You know, the whole idea of there being a different doctor every season or every couple of seasons was actually a brilliant idea for a show that was going to be on the air for 35 years. You know, I mean, yeah. that that's not a bad that's not a bad idea. I don't particularly care for well, Doctor Who. Well, think uh, about it. It started out yeah. as a kiddie show like the electric company in Sesame Street. Then it went to two movies that were made by Hammer with uh, Cushing as Doctor Who. And then it transformed from that into another, the pure sci-fi series. Yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, now, see, I wish we had Vicky on the show tonight because I know she loves Doctor Who. She'd have some insight yeah. into this more than more than you and I do. But yeah, well, those uh, years, uh, I don't think none of us do because we didn't over here in the U.S. Remember, we didn't get Doctor Who until the seventies, and by then, a lot of the early seasons were just freaking lost. Yeah, uh, I remember it, uh, and I'm sure your experience is similar. It was on PBS here in America. Yeah, and, Tom Baker. And yeah, Tom Baker was the first one. Yes, the first one that I that I was aware of, and that was a funny thing when I was growing up uh, on Saturday nights. And this actually goes back to what we were just talking about uh, on Saturday nights when we were having dinner at the table. Uh, my dad would bring out this little portable TV and we would watch PBS while we ate dinner and we would watch Monty Python, Faulty Towers, Doctor Who while we were having dinner. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That was, was a, a great Saturday night. I can remember uh, 
when PBS here is like Saturday night, it was like the Monty Python hour. And I was like, all right. Yeah. 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 They did. Like I said, uh, 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 that's what I remember here. They did. Oh, uh, Monty Python, Faulty Towers, Doctor Who, and Are You Being Served? Those were the those were the shows that I remember watching on Saturday night yeah. while we were eating oh, dinner. Oh, and don't forget yeah. the 11 o'clock British show that uh, the holy crap out of Saturday Night Live during the Eddie Murphy years. <laughs> ah, and you know what I'm talking about, don't you? No, no, I'm sorry. My cat just choked herself. My cat just choked herself on my phone while my phone's charging here at my desk. Is she all right? Yeah, she's all right. Yeah. (laughs) All right. What are you talking about? That British series that was shown at late night and it kicked the shit out of uh, Saturday Night Live during the Eddie Murphy years and every. In every market, they ran head to head. No, what show are you talking about? What shit television show do you think of when you hear the song "Yakety Sax"? Yeah, people, people will forget. Not live when it was shown over here. Yeah, no, that uh, huh? I didn't. I do remember watching Benny Hill on PBS, but I always watched Saturday Night Live. Uh, that was always, you know, I don't remember it going head to head with Saturday Night Live because I always watched. Yeah, the Saturday Night Live of Benny Hill. The one the PBS showed cut a lot of the tits out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, you can watch Eddie Murphy or tits. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. We actually weirdly got a lot of British stuff, more than people would think of the snobs nowadays. Oh, we didn't get much British stuff back then. I was like, didn't you watch Benny Hill or any of the shows that you just mentioned, Nate, or anything like that? (laughs) Right? Yeah, and I I mean, I don't really watch PBS anymore, uh, so I don't really know what they offer for programming now, you know, like – uh, but between streaming services and yeah. the, uh, the the TV channels that we get around here, I don't. Uh, PBS isn't even offered to us uh, up here in Maine anymore. I mean, we've got. I think we've got three different uh, services up here that will let you watch live television. You know, we'll let you watch what's actually on yeah. at the moment. And I don't think any of them offer PBS. We get like Fox and NBC and CBS and, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think we actually even get a PBS station up here anymore. Uh, so I don't know what they – I don't know what they you offer. You ever um, uh, see the – yeah. 
Did you ever see the Brian De Palma documentary? Yes, I did. Yeah, I did watch that. He yep. has the best line on that ever with uh, remakes accused of being ripoffs. He said, they accuse me of ripping off Hitchcock all the time. But I created in Carrie the most ripped off fucking scare in the history of ripped off fucking scares. But I'm the king of being, of ripping people off. Ain't that a bitch? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that, I mean, that, that, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just, oh, I was just going to say, uh, if anyone hasn't seen it, that Brian De Palma documentary is amazing. And it's, it's over two hours long. It's, it is an immersive, uh, uh, journey through Brian De Palma's entire career, and yeah, and uh, what? Yes, we couldn't watch a horror film after Carrie got off without them having the "it's just a dream" jump scare <laughs> at the end of every movie. It seemed like it was like we were yeah. waiting for it. Yeah, and I fucking hate that man like you know you and i have talked about this before man the it was all a dream is the lamest fucking ending to any movie ever i don't care if it's a horror movie i don't care if it's a comedy if it's all just a dream i'm fucking done with it i'm over it don't want it don't care (laughs) fucking shove it back up shove it back up your ass oh but, I mean, mm-hmm. really, Brian De Palma and Quentin Tarantino are fighting each other on the most accused of not having any self-talent and being ripped off. It's like a close neck-to-neck. Mm-hmm. And I can't think <laughs> well, of any movie that he actually ripped off 200%. You can't think of any movie that Brian De Palma ripped off, or yeah, or Quentin Tarantino, because we already talked yeah, about Brian Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think but De- Brian De Palma. Yeah, I don't. I can't think. You, yeah. No, he. Yeah, he def. He was definitely influenced by Hitchcock, but he never. I don't think he ever ripped anybody off one hundred percent. Tarantino ripped off De Palma. Uh, with Kill Bill, uh, the scene where Ellie Driver goes into the uh, to to kill the bride, and they ha- they use uh, ha- how many different ways can you rip people off? He not only does he use the split screen with uh, Ellie going to kill the bride, but he also uses uh, a song from a fucking Dario Argento movie. Right? Uh, no, like, no, 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 uh, Twisted Dreams. That was with Hyo Bennett and uh, what's her name? Haley Mills. That was an American film. Oh, really? Oh, I yeah. For some reason, for some reason, I thought that that song came from a Dario Argento or a Mario Bava film. Yeah, Twisted Nerve. It, yeah, that's the song, right? Uh, yeah, Twisted so, Nerve. Yeah. I, I, I thought that was a, from an Italian Gallo film. Yeah. Nope. But and another one that is a remake, but really wasn't acknowledged by remake, but when people slack on it, that's what they call it, and that's Outland. Mm. 
Yeah. That one's a Stone Cold remake of High Noon. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, and I I don't think that the... Do I don't, not forsake me, oh my darling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that they ever denied that. It's kind of like how, you know, we talk about uh, Seven Samurai and... Uh, no, I know what you mean. Yo, Jimbo... And uh, for and the fistful of dollars. Well, guess what? We've lost Nate. We've kept the hour streak going. But yeah, I mean, it was. It's not that bad. Holy crap! He's back. <laughs> I Jesus made it. Christ, I made that it was back. a fast. That was a fast. I got whiplash now from how fast you came back. <laughs> yeah, I heard it drop off right when it yeah, did. So it I was called like, it. I, I, I was like, oh, my God. And they thought, holy shit, he's back. All right, we're back. The worst thing to know is Yojimbo and... Uh, Fistful of Dollars and Dashiell Hammett's Red Harvest. Yes. Yep. Uh, I don't. I don't particularly re- remember Red Harvest. I was thinking of a Fistful of Dollars and uh, what was that? Uh, uh, well, I guess Stanley Kubrick's uh, The Killers. But what was the movie? That was with, Hemingway's uh, The Killers. Yeah. What 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 was the movie with uh, Bruce Willis where he played like oh, the Last Man Standing? Uh, that was a yeah, more yeah. of a real direct yeah. adaptation of Red Harvest. <clears throat> but when yep. uh, Leone went to apologize to Kurosawa, he said, "I'm sorry." He no, he said, oh, don't worry. I stole from John Ford when I did uh, Throne of Blood, so it's all right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. And then, and and then we had to, and then we had to have uh, George Lucas go and rip it all off for fucking <laughs> Star Wars are all of, all of those. He ripped you know, off the hidden all, fortress for Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the hidden fortress for sure. Yeah. Yep. But he now, but he denied that. He says, "Yes, I know the movie, and yes, I've seen it, but I didn't do it. I didn't rip it off." This is all my original ideas. I came up while sitting in my bathtub, letting bubble fart. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's how we started this whole conversation. It's like Quentin Tarantino swears up and down that he never saw City on Fire. But, God damn it, but, Nate. Nate, shush. <laughs> I told you to never tell on the show that me and you take bath and count our bubble farts together. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, well, uh, for the record, if we're talking about it on the air, 
you are you are the bubble you you are the bubble fart champion, Stephen. You have you have more. You're the bubble fart champion. <laughs> Although. To be fair, yeah, I have I can sharded play, myself. Will it go round and sir? I can, yeah, because I can play. I, I will, it go, sh- will it go round in circle with my bubble fart? <laughs> and to be fair, I have sharded myself more often than you have when we're having our little date nights. So you know. I don't know. With this new medicine I'm taking, I'm catching up to you pretty goddamn fast. Uh, yeah i mean really i mean if you really look at almost every big movie sooner or later you're going to find something that they took from someone else and and there's remakes where the remake has become such a dirty word they don't even use it anymore wasn't it the was it the mid 90s or the early 00s when they started using the reboot word yeah, like I, I don't understand. Uh, you know, obviously we've got remakes, but uh, yeah, I think yeah, remakes and reboots are two different things. But what what they do with the with reboots really just fucking annoys me. Like I I used to hate remakes. I used to be like, ah, they're remaking one of my favorite movies. You know. Like we were talking about earlier, Dawn of the Dead. Like, ah, they're remaking Dawn of the Dead. Fuck that shit, you know. But now I'm way more irritated by reboots because they they happen so quickly. It's like, uh, like what? I think Abby and I were talking about this earlier today. Like Suicide Squad. Is that a sequel to the other Suicide Squad movie, or or is James Gunn just doing a yeah, total reboot? Yeah, it's a sequel. Okay, well, it seems to me like it's a complete, complete and total reboot. Uh, you know, and Jesus yeah. Christ, now, 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 what do I need? I need Zack Snyder and James Gunn working in the same universe. Nope, I'm not having well, it. Well. I hate that when uh, you have a movie and they get two or three movies in and then they make a crappy movie sort of say, oh, we're just going to do a fresh reboot like uh, Fast and the Furious movies. I love Fast and the Furious 5, 6, 7, 8, you know, when they when the franchise went batshit crazy. But they they didn't say They say okay we're rebooting it now Wait what about the first four films They're still there but we're Have you Have you seen seen F9 Have you seen that yet No not yet (laughs) But Imagine poor Michael Myers From Halloween trying to get his Fucking history straight that's why he's so pissed right? off in the new film. You try to get your history straight when it gets changed every fucking hour. <laughs> yeah, there, there. Fucking way What's going there, on? There, there's a good article on Screen Rant where they <laughs> uh, where they try to where they try to like flesh out how the Michael Myers history, you know. And 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 his family members and shit like yeah uh, yeah go on go on Screen Rant everyone should go on Screen Rant and read this article like a, a 
uh, one of the writers on there seriously tried to go deep and figure out exactly what the fuck was going on with Michael Myers and his family. And even, even, even he can't figure it out. He's just like, I don't know, man. I watched all the movies and it's, uh, it still doesn't make any sense, but here's what I can, here's what I've got. (laughs) She's my sister. She ain't my sister anymore. What the fuck, man? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think she, I think she was my niece, uh, or maybe she was my daughter. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> mm. Mm. I mean, I just love it when a series gets to be so long that the whole history of it is so convoluted that if you even try to go make sense of it, you're screwed. Yeah, and I I kind of think that's what they did with Nightmare on Elm Street as well, you know? I mean, yeah. They you know, but part part of that has to do with when you hand over the reins to different directors over the course of a series that, you know, uh different writers, different directors, you know, uh I I feel like I mean, I've only directed a few short films, but I always feel like if I was to do an ongoing series of films, I would definitely want to retain the rights so that I would be the only one writing and directing them, you know, so it wouldn't get into nonsense territory. Yeah. But like I said, I've only... Nonsense remakes... uh... Let's get into the 90s Touch of Death. God, that movie is not good. <laughs> but Nicolas Cage good. is fucking great in it. It's one of the first <laughs> Nicolas Cage goes crazy in the movie role and it's actually fun. And he's actually the only good thing about that goddamn movie. <laughs> uh. When he goes on that five-minute rambling rant about how he hates having the taste of metal in his mouth. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I do not disagree with that. I, uh, uh, that's, that's, I, I don't like metal in my mouth either. <laughs> I, I, I will usually go for a, uh, for a plastic fork or spoon or something like whenever Abby and I get takeout I make sure to keep the plastic sporks and food <laughs> sporks and foods yeah. <laughs> yeah I I, I uh, Abby Abby yeah. actually gifted Abby actually gifted one to you <laughs> she wanted she wanted yeah. you to have one hey so yeah, did I you open those see... fortune no oh sorry did you did you open those fortune cookies? No. <laughs> well, I, I I think you should open one now while we're on the air and tell me what the fortune says. Abby Abby oh, went I out of her way right now, but Abby went out of her way to send you a spork, two fortune cookies, and a bag of popcorn. And you're telling me right now that you can't open a, a fortune cookie on the air? Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, she... just... go ahead. No, well, I'm just saying, you know, she loves you. Yeah. You know that she that I I sent you I sent you the book. The rest of that stuff was from my wife, and she loves you. Whenever <laughs> I start talking about whenever I start talking about movies around the house. Her reaction is always, yeah. <laughs> she, ha- she has a Steven impersonation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I have seen so many bad remakes. I'm just like, popular. I'm not oh. talking about ones that are good or horror films, which you can move up a little easier. I'm talking about uh, stuff like uh, The Big Clock, that noir from the 1930s, which they remade uncredited as No Way Out with uh, Kevin Costner. Oh yeah, no way out. Yeah, uh, yeah, I forgot about that movie. The what, one where he turns movie? out to be a commie in exactly the last three seconds of the damn movie. Right. <laughs> I'm being literal. You don't know anything about this big plot twist until the last three seconds of the movie, and then they don't even do nothing with it. It's like, hello, comrade. Hello. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh. What the? <laughs> uh. But one of the best ways to really attach a film is, I didn't like uh, Glass that much, but the way they uh, connect, he connected. Uh, what was that? What split? To glass yeah, split. But the way they connected those two, three films together was just so beautiful. Yeah, that was really brilliant. And, you know, like, Shyamalan is such a, a divisive director. I mean, we all love him because The Sixth Sense was such an amazing film. You know, we all remember that and how great it was. And we've all been trying to we've wanted him to we've wanted him to live up to that standard for well, his I entire like career and unbreakable yeah yeah no yeah he he uh, i think the big problem with his career was even though uh sixth sense was his second film he had done another uh what was the movie he did before that it was like a baseball movie it was like a Sandlot type of baseball comedy or something, but then we all saw, and then we all saw, we all saw the Sixth Sense, and we were all so jazzed about it. Um, And then he followed that up with Unbreakable, which uh, I I think the reason why people kind of why he lost favor with people was because the twist ending in Unbreakable isn't really a twist ending. I mean, you already knew that. Samuel L. Jackson was the, you know, was the, 
the evil villain, you know. And then we got a few really I mean, bad he was dressed Shyamalan. like the Joker throughout the damn movie. Jesus Christ, people. <laughs> right? And then we got some really bad Shyamalan movies. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know, though. I, I still – you and I have argued about this back and forth. I still think the, the twist ending in the village was – was kind of surprising. I I didn't see. No, they I didn't give see it away too easy. They didn't have Chinette brand China. If you're going to have a it twist like that, do not show Chinette brand China within the first thirty seconds of your movie. Knowing in the eighteen hundred, all they had was tin and metal plates. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I I think Shyamalan has come back around in his, in the last couple of years. Uh, I, I think he's made oh, some really the, good have movies. Have you seen The Visit, the, that batshit crazy yes, one? I, with I, the... Yes. Yep, I was just <laughs> about to mention that. The Visit, that movie is fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, I love, I it love it goes that. Insane and then it just decides to go with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, hey, we're gonna. Uh, uh, should we shove shit in this little kid's face? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> uh, I hope I hope yeah. good. I don't know what it's what it's gonna be, but it looks good. Yeah, it does. It um. And you know what? It's kind of interesting. I was watching the preview for that. Uh, and have you noticed, and, and maybe this has something to do with the fact that we were all locked inside for over a year during the pandemic, but there were so many films coming out now where uh, people seem to be living the same day over and over and over again. And that, that yeah. seems to be the theme. That seems to be the theme of yeah, old. Yeah, the theme of like pandemic it, it, cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just seems, yeah, it seems like, uh, it, yeah, it just seems like we're, uh, we lived through the whole year of being stuck inside, which actually is not, a personal uh that's not a personal reality for me i still had to go to work every day um i did miss out on doing my stand-up comedy and i did miss out on some of the other things but uh yeah i still had to go to work every day the federal building never closed down and you know that's i i work at the post office so i i never got a I never got a day off but well even look at nobody about a guy who's trapped inside and who just lets it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's funny. You and I did our uh, our favorite films from uh, 2021 last week, and we both mm-hmm. mentioned Nobody as our favorite film uh, of the year uh, so far. Um Later that night, I was talking to a couple of friends of mine who were watching it for the first time, and initially, they were really enjoying it, but towards the end, 
they decided that the violence was too much for them and they both dismissed it and said it they, they didn't like it. It was weird. I was like, it's a great movie. Come on, man. Yeah. I mean, even even my wife, who does not appreciate blood and gore or violence, she doesn't like horror movies. She, she loved it. She thought it was a great movie. She does uh, have a crush on Bob Odenkirk, so that probably helps. Yeah. But. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah but she loved it. To see that. We'll probably see it more next year once they all get on the books and stuff. But yeah, pandemic cinema. People just <coughs> doing their films about 2001. You're going to start to see a lot more horror films about disease. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's already kind of started. Uh, Steven Soderbergh has a new movie coming out uh, that's that's about a pandemic. Um, and he's going and, to shoot it with a Viewmaster camera and with those little cassettes, but he's going to get in the set where they shoot it 20 times. A- <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. Um, I noticed also, uh, I was on, I think it was Amazon Prime the other day. I was looking for something to watch and I noticed that uh, Outbreak, I noticed, uh, had... Had had an uptick in people, yeah, you know, Outback in views. Became a cult classic as soon as the pandemic hit. It was like right. everybody and your mother went to see it. It was like, oh my god, this outbreak! He was speaking the truth. <laughs> did who directed that? Was did Steven Soderbergh direct that? Yeah. No. Yeah. Did no not. Not outbreak, no. I don't no. I don't yeah, think he the one did with, that. Uh, the one with starring Matt Damon, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, I'm thinking of the movie with Dustin Hoffman. Oh uh, no, no, no! I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I like that. One. Yeah. People said yeah, there that, was too much that, action in it, and I'm like, so. Uh. Every yeah. pandemic movie within the last 20 or so, 30 or so years became like a must-watch film as soon as the outbreak happened. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but another film that was a remake that wasn't through was uh, Michael Bay's The Island. Oh, what was that a remake of? Parts the clone is for. Really? Yeah. Huh. I I yeah, I guess I never really thought about that. I don't I've never I've never watched uh parts uh I've never watched parts except for on Mystery Science Theater 3000. So I've never just watched it as a straight film. So I guess I never really. Oh, you've only that. seen parts of parts, but you've never seen the whole of parts. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that, people. <laughs> but yeah, it was. I mean, as soon as it came out, I read that. that, 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 that this is parts the clonus horror with a budget. Yeah, right. <laughs> movie. I the, yeah. certain. That's the only problem I have with the later episodes of MST three thousand is when they did good movies. Yeah, well, that you know that's the thing now as well because they've moved on to riff tracks where. Um, with MST3K and uh, Cinematic Titanic and the film crew, those movies, they all had to make fun of movies that were in the public domain. But they stumbled onto something very interesting with riff tracks where all they have to do is record, uh, you know, jokes over the movie and you have to have your own copy of the movie they don't so so they can do like raiders of the lost ark or twilight or lord of the rings you know they they don't need to have the rights to that all they have to do is make the jokes and then you download the the quote unquote riff tracks and you, you know mean what the i've been doing on. since about 2005 to <laughs> 2006 2007 oh my god yeah. what did i do that first oh wait you did <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know Sean, but yeah you know it's uh, weird you can record yourself talking about a movie the damn movie if the video's in there. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. No, well, you know, okay, so uh I was actually gonna mention this uh later in the show, but uh I'll bring it up. So uh I have a new album coming out and uh you know Sean Timms who runs our website, our massive, uh uh you know he, uh he and I have talked about this so many times. It's, it's, it's just like you're one, you're one swing behind, you know, like we have so many great ideas and we don't, we don't act on them. And then the next thing, you know, somebody else is already doing it, you know? Um, but if anybody wants to know, uh, yeah, if you want to go to the website where Stephen and I got started, rmassive, r-massive.com. If you just put in <laughs> rmassive, you're going to get nothing but pictures of dicks. <laughs> so you're going to want to go with r-massive.com. You can, you can read articles that Stephen and I wrote when we first got started, and you can listen to some of our older episodes of our podcast. We also we're also on Spotify, so uh, enjoy. <laughs> uh, and but yes, uh, I haven't. Uh, if you yeah. are I, I, trying to yeah. go to our massive at the dash, you actually put the dash. We apologize in advance. <laughs> uh, uh. But no. 
another one that's a remake, but this is bizarre because this is Andy Sedaris making a remake of his film that he had just made. He made uh, Malibu Express with Darby Hinton, and that's who made his Darby Hinton, the beach blonde guy with the porn star mustache, the Civil <laughs> Danny. And I, and then, and then immediately, for some reason, he remade it because, in his words, there wasn't enough giant boobies as Hard Ticket to Hawaii, and that's the one everyone knows and loves. With Ron Moss running <laughs> around with a bazooka. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we, we were talking about him earlier. Uh, his movies are just <laughs> ludicrous. I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, and I think, I think, I'm not 100% certain about this, but I think Joe Dante uh uh edited some of the trailers for his earlier films, right? This is one that... <laughs> just the one he did for New World, which is lost. Oh. Yeah. The trailers I, still I, exist, I thought... but the movies is lost. Yeah. I thought I had seen uh there's a documentary about uh, about Andy's movies, and I think they interviewed. I, I just think they interviewed Joe Dante for for the uh, for the the documentary. Yeah, so that might that might By that might be where I'm getting confused. Andy did Malibu Express. Uh, Dante and get uh, doing his own stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dante had worked for New World Cinema, uh, uh, and then he moved on as a director, but he originally started with uh, Roger Corman just doing trailers, right? That uh, yeah. That's my understanding. Yeah, yeah. And the way to sum up Andy's title of the box set I got, which he said these are the three most important things in film, and that's guns, guns, explosions, and boobs. (laughs) Right? Uh, Yeah. uh, There, there's a funny, uh, a funny anecdote that uh, Joe Dante has told before on film, where. Uh, when he was doing the trailers for Roger Corman, he had uh, a, a, a scene of a helicopter being blown up with a rocket launcher, and he would put that into every trailer, even if it was not part of the film, yeah. just because he thought it, it was exciting and fun and funny, you know? So he just he just put it in every trailer. <laughs> But so, can you think yeah. of an Andy Sedaris movie that doesn't have guns, explosions, or boobs? No, no. There is no Andy <laughs> Sedaris movie that doesn't have guns, explosions, and boobs. And that's, I that, know that's you guys and, love your Blu-rays. You're highly decked out. But if you're not a hardcore Andy Sedaris fan... 
Look for the Mill Creek set. You can get that bad boy from like six to nine nine bucks, and it has all of his films, but seven and the one that's lost for seven yeah, to nine and, bucks. And all all of his films not only include guns, boobs, and explosions, but they almost always take place either in the jungle or on the beach. The- <laughs> Very exotic location, and and a few of them have Eric Estrada in them, and Pavarotti oh, yeah, too. <laughs> oh yeah, baby! <laughs> but oh, I warn shit. you. They're very, if you are a politically correct person today, stay away from Andy's films. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't understand that, though. You and I have talked about this so many times. It's like, uh, I, I, and, you know, I, I am a far left liberal, so I don't want to fucking lean into this bullshit, but there is such a thing as cancel culture that's going on in this country right now. And I fucking hate it. You know, like you, you know, like, like Steven, you and I have riffed on coonskin here before. Yeah. You know, like I, 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 I don't want that film to not exist in our society anymore just because it's questionable. Uh, but you know, it, it's questionable for the time that we currently live in, but you know, and it happens, if you are let politically it correct, and, you know, and one of those sensitive flowers, I beg you to see coonskin any way you can. It will open your eyes. <laughs> yeah, and last week we were talking. To, last week we were talking about like Mario Van Peebles, and we were talking about uh, you know uh, some of the uh, some of the other di- directors from the. 70s and it's like yeah i i I don't i don't want that stuff to go away you know like uh my boss and i argue all the time because he's a conservative i'm a liberal uh you know like uh he always talks about oh the liberals are the ones that are trying to cancel and I'm like, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I, I certainly don't feel like I don't feel like I'm trying to cancel anything. Like I want all that shit. I want, I, mean, I want to be able to watch, you know. Yeah. Let's talk about what's considered to be the most number one offensive mainstream movie now of the all time nowadays, and that's Blazing Saddles. If you actually watch it, it pisses. All over every cliche that people accuse it of uh, supporting and wallowing in. Yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, Blazing Saddles is a perfect example. Uh, and you know, it actually goes back to uh, uh, Another thing, another movie that I think about a lot is the is uh, the jerk. Um, the jerk is my all time favorite <laughs> comedy film. Uh, but I wow. never when I when I was growing up, I would see it on uh, on like cable television. We were talking about this earlier. I would see yeah. it on 
uh, cable television. So um, I I never saw the scene where <laughs> where the gangsters come and they're talking to him and they're like, yes, yes, we have to we have to keep the jungle bunnies out of the neighborhood. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, most people no, get that... more most people get more pissed over the opening line, which is one of the funniest lines. Ever in comedy, just because Steve Martin said it. I was born yeah. a poor black man. <laughs> yeah, I was born a poor black child. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, the the jerk is my favorite uh, comedy film of all time, and it it it, it is high it is highly offensive. In, in today's uh, culture, but that, that that's the thing. Like, I don't want to see, uh, I don't, I don't want to measure things like that. You know, I don't want to measure films and television shows like that. You know, it's like now, now we can't watch the Dukes of Hazard because they had a rebel flag on the, on the, uh, on the roof of the, fucking general lee like come on man that's fucking stupid like i mean (laughs) are you going to compare the jerk and blazing saddles to uh let me think soul man (laughs) okay now soul man now that that's offensive uh yeah (laughs) yeah uh i don't know man like yeah, I, no, I will... you're not. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to say, like, I think the, the Blazing Tales is racist, I think the jerk is racist, I'm like, here's a copy of Soul Man. Go talk, go, go talk <laughs> for watching that. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and, and, and plus, uh, you know, Mel Brooks, uh, when when he did all, all of his films, but, but Blazing <clears throat> Saddles, like, Mel, Mel Brooks, has a has a playful sense of humor. I mean, Jesus Christ! At the end of Blazing Saddles, they bust onto a, a movie set where there's people singing about you know uh, gay sex. You know, I yeah. mean, the guy wrote a whole the guy wrote a whole movie about springtime for Hitler. You know, I mean, yeah, he has and a that really one good... scene where it has the two people fighting backstage. And then they come out, their clothes disheveled, and he hands me a card and said, call me tonight. Okay, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you, you know, like, that's, there's, there's a playful sense of humor there that I appreciate. But, yeah, when you're talking about it's, a movie like Soul Man, not only is Soul Man soul-less, it's not funny, and it's, it's mean. It, that's, that's. That's yeah, it's mean. That's racist. That that movie is a mean, racist, disgusting movie. It does not have the same uh Genevieve. What what do you say? <laughs> Genevieve? Genevieve. Yeah, it doesn't have the same yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, uh, going yeah. back and watching uh, Up in Smoke today. Back in the seventies, like, oh my God, this is counterculture. And then you watch it today, and you see how sweet and innocent everybody in the movie is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. 
Yeah. Well, and it's funny hey, too because go get now- your own cookies, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and go get your and, own cookies. And and now that now that marijuana is uh you know legalized pretty much everywhere across the country, that movie looks so much more innocent. Uh and I, I think I've told you this before. When I was growing up, my mother would let me read Stephen King. She would let me watch Last House on the Left and Solo. Like, I, there, there were very few restrictions in our house when I was growing up, but she got really pissed off when she found a Cheech and Chong record in my bedroom. <laughs> Like yeah, that was like the, that was yeah. that was the that was the line in the sand. I'm fucking watching Last House on the Left. I'm watching Solo. I'm reading Stephen <laughs> King. I'm reading Our Bodies Ourselves and looking at naked pictures of women and yeah. But no, no cheating. I know it's albums funny. In well, yeah, even back then. Yeah, <laughs> I can remember when the dirtiest movie ever that you could get in any regular video store. You, I could go in. I could rent pink flamingos. Easy, no problem. I could go rent Flash yeah. Gordon. No problem. <laughs> but let me go try to rent Caligula. No, that's for adults only. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you know probably because. Uh, well, no. Flesh Gordon was rated X too, wasn't it? Yeah, they had, was. Yeah, they yeah. had hardcore lesbian scenes and some hardcore in it. <laughs> yeah, and and but, a stone Craig P. Nelson Pink, is the monster. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but Pink Pink Flamingos was Pink Flamingos is only actually I have a copy of Pink Flamingos on VHS and it's rated PG. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> pretty gross. Yeah, yeah pretty gross. It's all right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's all right, young Nate. You can watch the movie with the with the gay man pretending to be a woman giving a blowjob to another man and eating dog shit. But don't you watch yeah. that movie. <laughs> no, I swear. Uh, a, a friend of mine passed away last year, and yeah. he had a copy of Pink Flamingos, an original copy of Pink Flamingos on VHS. And uh, so I was helping clean out his house, and I took it. And I swear, it has on the back. It says rated PG. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fucking nuts. Like it's an original <laughs> copy from the eighties and it's rated PG. <laughs> it just still cracks me up. Even back then to the day, what they deem to be this stuff is good, but this stuff is too filthy to be shown. Right, yeah. Yeah, well, you and I have talked about this before with like, uh, you know, growing up in, uh, you know, in smaller towns and going to the video store. Like you and I have talked about being able to go to the video store when we were in our teens and rent like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know? Yeah. 
Like, yeah, I mean, look at David Cronenberg's Crash, the NC-17 version, and the R-rated version. There's not that much of a freaking difference. I don't know. I've I've never seen the R-rated version. I've only seen the NC-17, but I do remember uh, when that when that whole controversy came out because we we still had a blockbuster uh, around here, and so I went to Blockbuster to rent it because I'm a you know Cronenberg it's fan. Convenient. But they only had they only had the NC-17 version. But I was I was already a full grown adult, so it wasn't controversy yeah. for me uh, and but, let's be so, honest the, the reason we went to blockbuster as uh, young adults and teens is the same reason we went to mcdonald's to get a hamburger it's not that it was a good burger it was a pretty <laughs> shitty burger but by god it was convenient <laughs> yeah yeah man uh fucking blockbuster man they that place i, I mean it, it's sad now like we we don't i don't know what goes on down there in tennessee but yeah there there's not a single video store around here i mean there are places you can go to buy used videos but around here we've got red box and that's it uh Obviously, Abby and I subscribe to a bunch of streaming services. And do you stuff, remember so. that uh, scene in uh, Clerks where Randall walks into the good video store and he falls to his knees with tears running down his eyes? <laughs> you know that scene? Yeah, right. That's how you uh, would be if you got to see the inside of McKay's used books and media. Yeah. It has are you, everything. Are you, Video games, are, are books, you, are, DVDs, pops, Funkos, collectibles, and the entire top shelf is just music, vinyl, CDs, everything that, you uh, know, Abby would be like, you're not going in there. <laughs> yeah, she would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's out of town right now, and uh, and she doesn't listen to the podcast. So don't tell her that I got a uh, don't tell her that I got a bunch of Funko Pops in the mail today while she was out of town. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. it has basically everything you know when it comes to books, collectibles, and all that. It's been around since yeah. '85, and it is just a great of Criterions, The Man Who Fell to Earth, uh, Ikiru, uh, Kiss Me Deadly, Valerie and Her Week of Wonders, Truth or Dare, the Tim Ritter film, almost all my books in my movie collection before people found out about it, and then they just swarmed in, and I'm like, damn it, my honey hole is gone. <laughs> Gone are the days where I could get Phase 4 as a tie-in novel for 39 cents <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, maybe somebody will send you a copy of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as a tie-in novel. Uh, yeah, but you know what I mean. You know, one of the, yeah, I know. Don't you yeah. hate that when you find like a used place that's got like the good stuff, but then other people find out about it and you go there and it's been like gone through like a Viking raid, sacked the whole damn town. Yeah, there was a really cool thrift store right downtown from where I live that had, uh, had like, I, I found some really obscure DVDs and Blu-rays there. They also had VHS, but they also had comic books and magazines, and I got so much good shit there. But uh, during the pandemic, they ended up having to close down, and now they're gone. <laughs> Sucks. <laughs> Yeah. Well, my case is open back up. That's where I found my uh, Blu-ray copy of Dawn of the Dead for $20. Right? Yeah, I've got... Those I've were got on Amazon. The... That's a deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I've got the Dawn of the Dead, the Romero box set. Uh, one of my ex-girlfriends actually bought it for me for my birthday one year. So I've got the Dawn of the Dead box set that has uh, all three oh, of cut. Romero's. Yeah. All, yeah, all three of Romero's versions. And then Argento's cut is on there as well. Yeah. yeah. I can remember when it was that. Halloween, and then there's a person like, I like odd movies. And I never, I don't see anything odd here that I know of. And right next to him was a copy of uh, Richard Stanley's Dust Devil, that big, beautiful set that will cost you close to 100 nowadays if you try to buy it. Yeah, and you love Dust Devil. I you start when you and I first became friends, you were talking about Dust Devil a lot. Yeah. You were super it's into good. that. Yeah. Yeah, you love that so movie. I, so I yeah. got that movie, I walked up to me and said, You looking for something unique? Yeah. Did you like hardware? Yeah. Here's the prequel. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and he's like, Really? Yes. Buy this. And then he just walked out and bought it. Hey. Uh, i don't know i don't i don't care for dust devil as much as you do but i do like hardware uh quite a bit um that's a movie i remember get you know uh watching like getting high and watching when i was younger (laughs) Uh, i don't know i didn't care where it shows uh mole getting uh Doped up. Right. <laughs> and then it has that 20-minute trip scene, just boom, 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 boom. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool flick. Yeah, I, I do like Dust Devil, but like I said, I think I like hardware more. It, it's yeah, more my speed, I think. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, is you know, I've always seen people do that. Never, I've never seen many people do that. You're like, the people you hear the people like, I'm looking for this film, and they describe the film, and I'm looking at it, and I've already got my copy, and I've seen people do that, and they're like, well, you, they should have seen this film. Well, why didn't you recommend it to them? 
I don't know. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like all, all through high school and college, I worked at a video store and I would have people come in and just be like, you know, that movie where the guy does the thing and then the thing happens. <laughs> I'd be like, I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we I don't talk know. about like that on the show, and we actually come up with the right answer. Yeah, well, exactly. You uh, know yeah, that you one with the girl who's in that Disney thing with the cat? No, oh, <laughs> Haley Mills. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, uh, at my yeah. local art local art theater, I'm debating on going or not. Million times on the big screen lately, and they're going to have a triple show with three actors from the series, and it's going to be uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw One, Two, and Three. It's going to have the three actors who played uh, Leatherface in all three movies is going to be there. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Not not Gunner. Not Gunnar Hansen, because he's passed away, right? No. Yeah. The first one, they're going to have John Dugan, who played Grandpa. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I'm tempted I, to go to see them, but I've seen the first one on the big... <laughs> yeah. Uh, Abby and I went to see the first one, uh, the original Texas Chainsaw on the big screen. Um and uh, Gunnar Hansen, before uh, I do believe he's passed away, right? He, I, I believe yeah. he passed away. Yeah. yeah. But of he a heart lived. Attack, I think. He he lived just a couple of hours away from us, oh, and man. so when they showed when they showed Texas Chainsaw on the big screen, he was there, uh, telling uh, you know he did an introduction. Uh, you know, told stories about making the movie and then signed autographs after the, after the show. So that was really cool. He, he was a really nice guy. And that was the second time that I met him. Actually. Uh, there was one time when I happened, this is a totally true story. I happened to go to the movie theater right after I had uh, purchased one of the NECA, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Leatherface action figures. I happened to go to the movie theater in Ellsworth, Maine, and he was there. He was just going to the movies. He wasn't, he was just going to the movies. And I was like, holy shit, dude. I was like, you're Gunnar Hansen. He was like, yeah. I was like, can you sign this for me, please? And he autographed my fucking Leatherface action figure, like, on the spot. It was fucking awesome. (laughs) He that said, where's really my twenty dollars, cool. you son of a bitch? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he asked for his he said, where's my twenty dollars, you son of a bitch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, this ain't this this ain't no convention, son. I'm just here to see uh Silence of the Lambs. Uh can you just leave me the fuck alone? <laughs> 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 no, he was he was a wicked nice guy. And then like I Wait said, it. a few years a, a few years a few years later he did an actual like uh 
meet and greet when they showed uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre at, at the same theater where I happened to meet him before. So nice guy. Uh, but yeah, I'm tempted to go see that just to see all, I haven't seen two, two on the big screen. Three I did. I remember that because, uh, for some reason the film wouldn't start and they had some idiot working, come to the bottom of the theater and we was there about 20 of us. And he's like, come on, man, we'll give you free tickets. If you leave now, we can go home early. <laughs> you can just imagine all of us who have paid money for tickets and wanted to go out was like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, they, they uh, couldn't make us go. We'd already paid our money, so hey. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I love having a nice local theater and that. But, yeah, we didn't talk much about remakes that aren't remakes. The reason is, is a lot of them have that plausible deniability where you can be like, I know you, I know this is a remake. Prove it. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Right. Because if it's ever proven, they might have to pay the original people who made the movie some money. And they don't want to do that. Yeah, and and that's how we that's how we got started on this whole conversation. Even before the the podcast tonight, you and I got started on this whole conversation about yeah Tarantino just up and denying that uh, that Reservoir Dogs was a remake of of City on Fire. And it is so clearly a remake of City on Fire, eh, whether he wants to admit it or not, you know. And then uh, I I don't I don't think Scorsese ever denied that The Departed was a remake of Infernal Affairs, but it, yeah, like you said, it just it flashes on the screen briefly at the end of the movie. Like yeah, he didn't talk yeah, about I'll- it openly. Remember in the late 90s where they'd have these films like Wes Craven presents in that in that level of uh, lettering. Yeah, it's like Steve Ron Carroll presents in this Bradford film. <laughs> there were so many posters with the writing just like that. the guy you know it's like so and so presents in giant fucking lettering. And then in tiny letters, the real director of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, now, now, now we're going to talk about Poltergeist. <laughs> Steven Spielberg <laughs> presents. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, who that Poltergeist was- is good. I actually caught that at a drive-in about five years ago, and I'm like, damn, it has actually aged well. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, Poltergeist is still a really, really good film. Um, uh, Like I was joking about, it's questionable who actually 
directed it, but I mean, it was a really good film and it's, it does hold up the, even, uh, you know, like some of the, some of Steven Spielberg's other projects, uh, like even his most beloved stuff like E.T., I don't, I don't think the special effects in E.T. held up that well. Um, For how many people uh, don't say nowadays, oh, I love E.T.? No, it's always, oh, I loved E.T. when I was a child and way back in 1982. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Like I said, I, I, I mean, I still enjoy it. It's still a fun film. But uh, like I said, I don't think the special effects have held up Um, when it comes to like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I've always found that film to be extremely boring. Like it it, it doesn't do anything for me. Uh, That's because he can't decide on the edit. Like the first time I seen it, it was like 114 minutes. And then we had the TV cut, which ran two hours and 30 minutes without commercials. Then he did another cut, which is two hours and 20 minutes. There's a box set of it out on DVD with like four or five different cuts of the same movie. (laughs) No, no. If I want to watch a slow-paced sci-fi movie, I'm going to watch 2001. Thank you. Or Solaris. (laughs) Solaris, yes. The original version, not the one with George Clooney. Yeah, both of those or, are good. Or, it's just that uh, yeah, the set first one's more like a beautiful painting, and the second one's just like a pretty decent movie. Wait, now we were here. Did he didn't did he direct that remake with George Clooney? Was that one of his? Soderbergh. Films? Yeah, that was one of his. Yeah. We were talking about him earlier. Huh. Neat. Um, Yeah, but, uh, yeah, like I said, I never really cared for uh, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I thought it was boring. Uh, I I, I don't dislike Spielberg as a director. When we had Mike Gray on the show uh, a few weeks back uh, we asked him what his favorite movie was and he said uh saving private ryan which is an amazing film it's a great film that you know i would not disagree with that at all uh actually but, i did if you remember i asked him if he'd seen the big red one and he said no why and i was just like yeah enough said <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, he's a different he's a different kind of dude. I love him though. Yeah, we yeah. actually uh, we've been doing some comedy shows. Uh, uh, things are starting to uh, I I shouldn't say starting to things are opened back up here in Maine. So we're able we've been doing live comedy and we've been doing live music and everything's going really cool up here right now. Um, I, I was watching the news this morning and I saw that there are some states that are still really suffering. Uh, how, how, how are things going down there? Oh, we're uh, where you're at open in Tennessee. Yeah. Cause we actually, yeah. we're like 60% vaccinated. We don't fuck around in Tennessee. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, I think, 
I think we're like 80% vaccinated up here yeah. in in Maine. And uh, Maine is a really weird state because from the south up until the middle of the state is really uh, uh, is really urban, you know, big cities that like from Portland and Lewiston and Augusta, like those are, these are all big cities. But once you get up past that halfway mark, uh, everything else is really rural and you can see the divide in the state, especially when it comes election time that, you know, Republicans live up North in the woods and they, and, and, you know, liberals live down in the South and the Republicans uh, in this state have openly refused to get vaccinated. They don't believe that they, they don't believe coronavirus was a thing. They don't trust the vaccine. So it's like, you know, we're, we're so close. Like all we need is just a little cooperation so that we can, you know, but like I said, everything is open again. You know, we've gone back to basically back to normal, but yeah, yeah it, it just kind of sucks that there's people that just don't, I, I don't understand it, man. You know, uh, of course, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, and it's like, but, and uh, you was talking about five minutes old, but you didn't like uh Close Encounters, uh, a good UFO story in the United States needs a little bit of bullshit in it or over-the-topness to really make it fun and entertaining. There's no over-the-topness in Close Encounters. Like Fire <laughs> in the Sky, yeah. that's based on a real acknowledged innocent dance, the same as Close Encounters is. But why yeah, is I was, Fire in the Sky yeah. creepy, fast-paced, and just good? Because it has that little bit of exaggeration in it, you know? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. When you started talking about that, I was going to mention Fire in the Sky. Um, that story, uh, that movie takes place in, I, I believe, Denver is where they set the story. But I think that that actual the true account I think happened in Maine, and uh, when my friend Dennis and I were filming one of our short films uh, in downtown Bangor, uh, a, there was a guy who came up and he saw that we had all of our video equipment and everything, <laughs> and he told us that he was one of the. Uh, he was one of the cameramen on yeah. Fire in the Sky. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, really, you need something fantastic, you know, even if it is. And then there's movies like uh, Pain and Gain, where you don't need to take some, a story that insane and outrageous and add anything insane to outrageous to it because it's crazy enough as is. Right. <laughs> Uh, but they just needed to be just a little something extra that Close Encounter didn't have. It was like reading a dry book of incidents that have happened to UFOs, you know, cattle mutilation, people disappearing, people getting sunburned. 
It was like he had like this big checklist. And he just like, okay, I got them all in. Let's go. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could. This is a. Uh, 598. One more before episode 600. I don't know how the hell I got here. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I try to remember this all the time, man. Like you, we started we started year, doing podcasts. I, this yeah. this show's already a year old. Yeah, but this this isn't our first podcast though. Is it is it I, tallying is it tallying up all of the podcasts that we've done together? Because you and I have yeah, done like four yeah. different podcasts over the years. Yeah. yeah. But this show yeah. here that we started is the was a year old on July sixth. Well yeah, where did a year go? Well, two thousand twenty <laughs> was a blur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? I know. Yeah, I uh yeah, I I I've been I've been getting in a little deep talk about a blur, holy shit, man. I've been I've been trying to drink less and exercise more and eat healthier. Um but yeah, you know, I still drink and smoke pot and a few weeks ago, I did some heroin, but hey, you know, it's all in fun, right? I mean, you got you only live once. <laughs> well, you remember what Alice Cooper said? He said someone called him once, and he said, the guy just said to him, how did you quit drugs? I didn't. <laughs> well, how did you stop? Right. Be, how did you stop being a junkie? He's like, I didn't. I just wake up every morning and tell myself. I'm not going to do drugs every day today. And it's so far, it's been about, when he said the quote, it's been about 15 years. And it's working pretty good so far. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not a drug addict. I'm definitely way more into booze than I am into drugs, but I do smoke yeah. pot on a, frequently but yeah every once in a while i will dip into crack or heroin or coke just just for a you know just for a day not i've always found it funny when we were kids our parents would be sitting with a big glass of whiskey or a beer in one hand and a cigarette in her mouth, looking at us, going, "Don't you dare do no drugs, or I'll beat your ass." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, when when I was growing up, my my dad, uh, my dad was uh, a, a coke addict and a, an alcoholic, and uh, you know, he never really pushed back at us saying, "Don't ever do this," but you know, it just just uh watching that on a daily basis kind of influenced my whole world view when it comes to drugs and alcohol but uh like i said i i smoke pot and i drink beer and i do shots of whiskey here and there and every once in a while i will dip into something a little more uh intense like i said i've 
I've definitely done all the drugs, heroin, Coke, crack, LSD, mushrooms, you know, but uh, that's that's not that's not on a daily basis. Yeah, I know on a daily all the drugs basis. you've done. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> let's see. He's done Viagra. Uh, he's done Cialis. He's a. Uh, he's a big. Just, he's a just... big abuser of Harry back. <laughs> you're you're just je- you're just jealous because you have no reason to to get an erection. That's all. That's you're just jealous. You have no. Yes, reason. I don't get an erection. So all you people that are so you people that are having the sponsorship for the little blue pills, call us. We could use the money. I mean, I could use help getting an erection. <laughs> <laughs> Blue equals green, uh, people. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're 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 something else, brother. You're something else. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. Uh, uh, you uh, want funny? Just listen to the podcast of the people who are trying to hot those pills. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know how uh, it shit. is when you get older. You need a little extra help down there, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I I I don't I don't know, man. Like the crazy thing is, like more often than not, I still. I still wake up with an erection like morning would, you know, and that's what I always tell Abby when I wake up, I'm like, flags up at camp morning would. <laughs> yeah, but some morning yeah. it's got to be yours and not the guy that you picked up at the bar last night. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't pick up guys at the bar, Stephen. I get them off the corner. <laughs> I, I live downtown. I live downtown, Stephen. I don't have to go far to find a guy if I want one. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, All right. Good night, sweetheart. Where is time to go? Good night, sweetheart. Where is time to go? I hate to leave you, but I really must say, oh, good night, sweetheart. Good night. Cause I love 